Hey, I'm Christopher Schiefling, and this is Auscultation, a podcast in search of a humanities-based practice of healthcare. Thanks so much for joining. Today, we're listening to When I Heard the Learned Astronomer by Walt Whitman, a revolutionary North American poet most known for his ecstatic free verse in praise and definition of the democratic spirit of the young and fragile United States. When I Heard the Learned Astronomer by Walt Whitman When I heard the learned astronomer, when the proofs, the figures, were ranged in columns before me, when I was shown the charts and diagrams to add, divide, and measure them, when I, sitting, heard the astronomer where he lectured with much applause in the lecture room, how soon, unaccountable, I became tired and sick, till rising and gliding out, I wandered off by myself in the mystical, moist night air, and from time to time looked up in perfect silence at the stars. Some thoughts on ways of seeing. The heart of the poem hinges on the contrast between two different experiences of the universe at large. The first four lines describe the scientific approach. The learned astronomer presents proofs, figures, charts, and diagrams to add, divide, and measure them in the lecture room. With only four lines, Whitman conveys a wealth of information on this type of knowledge. It is ordered, abstract, hierarchical, reductionist, distant, and certain. Images of numbers saturate this half of the poem, and in a nod to scientific literature, these images appear with a passive voice. The figures were arranged, and I was shown the charts and diagrams. The passive voice dominates scientific writing and is an effort to enhance the objectivity because it pretends to remove the author as a source of bias. Similarly, mirroring the redundancy of presentations of research data in abstracts, prose, and figures, there's a great deal of repetition in these lines. First, using the poetic technique of anaphora, all the lines begin with the same word, when. Likewise, heard the astronomer appears twice, and he lectured in the lecture room. While we learn a great deal of the methods of this understanding, the subject matter remains vague. There is only mention of an unidentified them that gets measured and divided. The topic is entirely derived from the title of the astronomer. Whitman's focus on how the talk was delivered, rather than on the subject matter, reminds me of so many journal clubs that hardly escape the method section. Finally, the applause at the end of these lines speaks to the public enthusiasm for this methodical understanding of the world. On the other hand, the last four lines 
describe the narrator's approach to the universe, rising and gliding out in the mystical moist night air, the narrator wanders alone, occasionally looking up in perfect silence at the stars. In contrast to the lecture room of the first few lines, there is a flurry of movement in the seventh line, with rising and gliding out, I wandered off. Standing is in direct opposition to the sitting of the fourth line, and this action brings a sense of agency and puts the narrator on the same level as the astronomer. Similarly, the movement of gliding out and wandered off is also quite different from the order and predictability of the figures ranged in columns. Gliding is a surprising but wonderful word for the narrator's escape because it is both graceful and also implies being propelled by a greater force, such as wind. Unlike the astronomer, the poet has released control. Then there is the fascinating line in the mystical moist night air. As hinted at with gliding, this experience of the universe becomes overtly spiritual. Mysticism challenges the intellect in favor of insight into the divine through mystery, transcendence, and subjectivity. The beautiful thing Whitman does here is he immediately goes from the abstractness of mystical into the almost palpable moist night air. For me, this image conjures the feeling of goosebumps from going out in short sleeves on a fall evening. It appropriately holds the seeming contradiction of feeling the air, because air is usually thought of not containing anything, but clearly can be felt. At last, the narrator looks up to the stars, but only from time to time. It is not the rigorous diligence of experimentation. Instead, it contains a sense of awe as the gaze is directed upwards to something above ourselves. This is a notable contrast to the lecture where the charts and diagrams of the stars are, quote, before me, which is to say, roughly the same level and same scale as the viewer. Moreover, this experience occurs in, quote, perfect silence. Lecturing is unnecessary. The stars can speak for themselves. This form of seeing is meandering, palpable, reverent, expansive, and mysterious. Some thoughts on the science and art of healthcare. Healthcare uses both of these forms of seeing. As in the poem, the objective reductionist insights is in high regard. The proofs of scientific study have brought up life-saving medicines like statins and bisphosphonates and brought down harmful good intentions like thalidomide and fenfen. Similarly, the electronic record does an incredible job of turning patients into figures ranged in columns, which is so useful for changing insulin for complex glycemic management or identifying the medication in the haystack responsible for an adverse reaction. 
and the timelines of illness in oncologist notes are a gift for the admitting clinician. Of course, the codification of illness combined with the medical record has shifted the focus of visits to a dizzying array of objects on screens, and the rigid division of clinician schedules evidently does not work for most patients, given the cliché of wait times. Additionally, just as the astronomer's abstraction seems to fail to mention the stars directly, the tendency towards medical jargon and the technicality of medication names are significant barriers to patient understanding. Similarly, the art of medicine aligns with the narrator's stargazing. While the art of medicine is ill-defined, it generally describes a broad set of clinical skills that are characterized by subjectivity and ambiguity, including therapeutic bedside matter, making decisions in face of uncertainty, tending to patients' spirituality, motivating patients to make difficult changes, applying population data to patients' life, and adapting to loss. In contrast to the guidelines based on scientific trials, the approach to these issues is less clear and uniform, which means that practicing these skills can feel like wandering off alone. When exploring these waters with patients, often the best answer is perfect silence to give space for emotion or uncertainty or the connection between two humans. Finally, many clinicians who grow tired and sick from the demands of the reductionist side of healthcare find renewal just as the narrator does by escaping into a more expansive union with their patients and the world. This episode is brought to you by the Milky Way Galaxy. Inspiring humans for millennia, gazing at the Milky Way decreases stress, improves mood, and increases awe. Artificial light disrupts melatonin, so for better sleep, look up to these natural nightlights instead. The Milky Way Galaxy. There's no place like home. Some more thoughts on ways of seeing. The most common interpretation of this poem is that it is a criticism of abstract and reductionist learning in favor of direct experience. This hinges mostly on the line that the narrator, quote, became tired and sick while listening to the astronomer. Additionally, Whitman throws in a subtle jab by removing the epithet learned from the repetition of the titulary line in the fourth line, which simply reads, When I sitting heard the astronomer. However, there are several elements that temper the degree of this criticism. First, the narrator comments on how soon fatigue sets in, but the audience's applause suggests that the narrator stays for the entire lecture. It would be out of character for Whitman's fiercely free spirit to remain if there were no value at all. Similarly, this reaction to the lecture is described as unaccountable. Often, this is brushed away as irony 
because while there may be no rational explanation for the narrator's feelings, the implication is that there are other reasons for this, the emphasis being on count and numbers. However, this word choice also conveys a degree of irresponsibility on the narrator's response. While the repetitive, reductive, and long-winded delivery may be dismissed, perhaps there is something in the astronomer's lecture of value. In the preface to Leaves of Grass, Whitman argues, quote, the anatomist, chemist, astronomer, geologist, phrenologist, spiritualist, mathematician, historian, and lexographer are not poets, but they are the lawgivers of poets, and their construction underlies the structure of every perfect poem. In the beauty of poems, are the tuft and final applause of science. In other words, both ways of seeing offer valid insight about the world, and the union of the two views offers a richer picture. In a way, Whitman combines these two approaches in the poem. While poetry is generally associated with a subjective, multiplicitous, and intuitive outlook, there are many rules guiding traditional poetry. And while Whitman was known for his free verse that went contrary to the regular meter and rhythm dominating poetry of his day, in this poem, he seems to call on these rules for heightened effect. The first and last lines use two traditional but distinct rhythms. The opening line about the astronomer is in trochaic pentameter, which emphasizes the first, third, fifth, seventh, and ninth syllables. When I heard the learned astronomer. Moreover, the line lacks the unstressed tenth syllable, which is a technique called catalexis. This is the same meter and rhythm as the famous Hark the Herald Angels Sing. For both of these lines, the catalectic trochaic pentameter makes them asserting and confident. In contrast, the ultimate line is an iambic pentameter, the most traditional form of English poetry, that stresses the second, fourth, sixth, eighth, and tenth syllables. I looked up in perfect silence at the stars. As the most common rhythm in English, this line feels natural. It also carries the weight of traditional poetry and its association with beauty and drama. The fact that both these lines use traditional meters, which is unusual for Whitman, draws attention to how these two forms of seeing may be similar. In their different ways, they both carry beauty and history. Of course, you don't need this type of dissection to appreciate the poem, but it builds up the force of the poem and yields a much more nuanced interpretation. Perhaps you could say that this reductionist an analysis brings the tuft and final applause of the poem. Moreover, seeing how Whitman merges the rules and tradition of poetry with his liberating style may inspire and guide our thinking on how the art of healthcare can be the tuft and final applause of the science of healthcare. While using traditional meters, these lines flow naturally 
and don't call attention to themselves or disrupt the poem. Similarly, I know I've done a good job explaining my assessment and plan when the scientific explanations fit seamlessly with the patient's life and values. Next, positioned at the beginning and end of the poem, Whitman gives these lines great weight, but they are the minority of the poem. Likewise, the test, pills, and procedures developed from scientific study are powerful tools. On the other hand, probably even less than a quarter of my impact on patient care comes from these tools. What would training in healthcare look like if it were inspired by Whitman's pairing and distribution of reductive and objective seeing with expansive and subjective seeing? When I Heard the Learned Astronomer by Walt Whitman When I heard the learned astronomer, when the proofs, the figures, were ranged in columns before me, when I was shown the charts and diagrams to add, divide, and measure them, when I, sitting, heard the astronomer where he lectured with much applause in the lecture room, how soon, unaccountable, I became tired and sick, till rising and gliding out, I wandered off by myself in the mystical, moist night air, and from time to time looked up in perfect silence at the stars. When I Heard the Learned Astronomer by Walt Whitman was published in 1867 and is now part of public domain. You can find show notes for this episode at anauscultation.wordpress.com and you can send comments, suggestions, and questions to the Twitter handle at anauscultation or to the email anauscultation at gmail.com. Auscultation is produced and recorded on the ancestral home of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, follow, or share to help others find out about us too. Until next month, be kind and live the questions.